0: Well, good morning, Gateway family. To those of you here in the sanctuary and to the many of you who are still live streaming from home, we are so grateful that we get to gather together to worship the Lord this morning. Just a few announcements for us as we prepare to worship the Lord this morning. Just several things I want to remind you of. First of all, our Wednesday evening opportunities resume on September 8th, so after Labor Day weekend on Wednesday nights, we'll kick back in. There'll be a men's book study of Tim Keller's Every Good Endeavor. There'll be a women's Bible study of John 15 of what it means to abide in Christ. The college life group will be meeting at Seth and Megan's home. Uh, Our kids club for our children will be going on as they continue the gospel project. And the youth teenagers will be doing a Bible study on spiritual disciplines and how we grow in our faith. So all that kicks off September 8th and hope you'll be part of that when that all resumes in just a few weeks. Also for the men, Saturday September 11th, we're having a men's day hike. I want to remind you about that. We're going to the John B. Scott Forever Wild Trail at Lake Martin. It's about a 4.7 mile hike. It'll be a lot of fun. So Mike Presley's over here. If you want to know more, see Mike. It'll be a fun opportunity just to fellowship with one another and enjoy being out in God's creation. It's one of the most beautiful trails in the area. It takes you to the highest point in Elmore County, and it's just a real pretty area. Uh, just below the the dam that creates Lake Martin. So I hope you'll join us for that, men. For the the ladies, you have a ladies' retreat coming up, October 8th through 10th. That's a Friday to a Sunday. It'll be the Nancy Lee DeMoss Revive 21 simulcast. Uh, You'll be going down to the beach to do the simulcast. So if you're going to be watching a simulcast, you'll be doing it with a beach in the background. It should be a lot of fun. I think there's already 10 ladies' signed up for it. There's room for 10 more. So if you want to know more, see the blog. You got Missy over here by the door greeting people this morning. Missy's your point of contact for that as well. There's only 10 slots left and you have to register by August 31st. You have two days, ladies. If you want to register and be on this trip, uh, please visit our website, gatewaybaptist.com. Click on news and events and you will see the information there. Now for today in the worship service, there's no kids worship today. So boys and girls, first to fourth, who normally would go to kids worship, you're in here today because we want you to hear our guest speaker today. We have a special Sunday day that I am excited and thrilled about I've been looking forward to for many weeks now. Ryan and Joy Thomas and their kids are with us here this morning. They've been missionaries in East Asia for a while, and when the government found out what they were doing, they got kicked out of their country, and they're about to go to another country to continue the work God has called them to do. It's an amazing story of God's faithfulness in the midst of the trials, and we've invited Ryan to come preach for us this morning and challenge us from God's Word on missions and to hear what happened to them as they've sought to be faithful to make Christ known in a huge country where there's very little gospel witness. I'll introduce him more to you in just a little bit in this service. But I want to remind you also this afternoon, I hope that what you hear today will spark some interest in you. And obviously, uh, Ryan's going to be preaching for us. We want a chance for you to hear more and ask your questions. So at four o'clock today here in the sanctuary, we're having coffee and conversations. It can be just a layback time to come grab a cup of coffee, sit around in the sanctuary here with Ryan and Joy, and ask whatever questions you want to ask, whether it's about what's happening in Asia right now, whether it's about missions, whether it's about their experience of what happened when you've been arrested for preaching Christ in another country. If you want to just talk about God's calling on their lives, whatever you want to know about related to missions or anything that's happening, we'd love for you to talk to them. So that's four o'clock here today in the sanctuary, a real informal time just to drink coffee and enjoy chatting with them. And so I hope you'll be part of that. And lastly, for the men, if you'd like a chance to get to know Ryan better, and I'm going to be having lunch with him tomorrow, talking through how do we as a church grow in a heart for global mission. So if you'd like to be part of that conversation, we're going to do lunch tomorrow at 1130. If you'd like to learn more about it, just come find me after the service or text me or email me today and let me know. And we'd love for you to join in on that conversation of how do we as a church become more involved in reaching the nations with the gospel of Christ. So see me if you'd like more details on that. Well, as we prepare our hearts for, for praising the Lord this morning, I want to read some scripture for us. So can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God as we think about what we're going to sing. We'll be singing this morning at the beginning that this is amazing grace, that we'll be celebrating God's grace in our lives and the hope we have in Christ. But obviously this morning, we're not just thinking about the grace that God's given to us, but our calling to make Christ known to others. So I hope you'll keep both those in view as we're praising God for who he is and the grace he's given to us to remember that there's so many in the world today who've never even heard The name of Jesus, and we have a mandate, a commission, to make Christ known. Let's think about that as we praise the Lord this morning. I want you to hear Second Corinthians, chapter five, verse seventeen through twenty-one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away; behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's sing about this amazing grace that God has given to us and sent us out to proclaim as well.
1: The power who breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger. my Lord.
2: going to be a new one probably for most of us, but I figured it was kind of timely. The song's called Lord from Sorrow's Deep," I Call, and it comes from Psalm 42, and um, even last week as we looked at Seth preaching, we were looking at anxiety and how to deal with anxiety and put our hope in Christ, and as Christians and believers, we have hope in Christ, and that's where our comfort can come from that we do not have to fear, and even in the times of just the uncertainty right now with the unrest in Afghanistan and the East, with COVID, and just the fear that even comes with that and not knowing how it would affect you or your family, knowing that we can have comfort and knowing that our hope is in Christ, that our salvation is found in Christ. So um, as we think about this song, we'll read from Psalm 42, and it'll be on the screen so you can follow along as well. It says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, sorrows deep. Lord, from sorrows deep I call When my hope is shaken
1: Torn and ruined from the fall Hear my desperation For so long I've fled and prayed God, come to my rescue so the thorn remains. Still my heart will praise you. Storms within my troubled soul, questions without
3: so much that we could fear, and by our flesh, by our limited power, we do, Lord. But, Lord, we want to come into your presence. We come into the presence of the one, true, holy, all-powerful, all-knowing God. We come to rest at the feet of our Father. And, Lord, we look to you, and we come to you because you are the only one that can do anything about these requests. And, Lord, I'm asking most of all, above all else this morning, that we would simply rest in you. You have given us all things in Christ. And Lord, no matter what we have to face in this world, you are enough. You meet us in our weakness. You meet us in our sin. You meet us in our pain. You meet us when we were enemies of yours. And you have made us sons and daughters, Lord. And so we just want to thank you for that this morning. We want to worship you. We want to praise you. We want to lift our hearts up to you. And we declare that you are good. That you are God and we are not. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning with things that we want, with things that we desire. But we come to you, Lord, with the confidence knowing that you have already given us all that we need. And so, Lord, we lift up to you this hurricane that's coming. It is such a picture of so many things in life that we have zero control over. Lord, we ask for your mercy and your We ask that you would spare so many people the death and destruction that this hurricane can bring. And Lord, we just pray that your church would be ready to respond, that we would rush into the darkness, that we would rush into whatever pain and destruction and death this storm may bring, and that we would declare the hope that is in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would just make us ready to support the church, to support those who will be doing relief work when this thing comes, Lord, if that's necessary. And we just pray that your glory would be declared in this place. Lord, we lift up our gateway family who's sick with COVID. Lord, we thank you, first of all, for so many who you have made well and you have brought through that. But we pray for those who are suffering right now with COVID. And we pray that you would raise them up out of this sickness, Lord, that in the midst of it, as they suffer, that you would draw, draw them near to yourself, that they would know that you are near, that they would know that you are not far off, that they would know that even though they are experiencing physical pain and suffering, that you are good and that you would raise them up out of this time, Father, that they would just experience the peace that passes all understanding right now. In Jesus Christ's name. Lord, we pray for our gateway youth, that they would continue to grow in number and in desire and in knowledge of you. We thank this opportunity they're learning to study apologetics, to study uh, the, the reasons for why they have hope in Christ. And we pray that you would grow them and mature them in their faith, Lord, and that they would uh, just come to rest in you and be strong in you, Lord. We pray that you guard them and direct them. We pray for Pastor John Hallbrooks, the new pastor of the Mystic Church that meets here, Lord. We just pray that you would bless him um, in this new calling you've brought to him. We pray that you would give him uh, everything he needs to shepherd and to lead this body well. We just pray you bless that church as they reach out to the Mystic uh, population here in Montgomery. Lord, we pray for Governor Ivy and Mayor Reed. Lord, we pray that you would bring a reformation to those political offices, Lord. We pray that they would do nothing out of selfish ambition, but that they would humble themselves under your mighty hand, that they would seek you and your wisdom, and that they would seek to make you known in those political offices, Father. We just pray that you'd give them wisdom and understanding. We pray that you would help them through uh, this, these tumultuous times, and that you would give them just everything they need to make appropriate decisions for the betterment of our community and our state, Lord. Lord, we pray for uh, a, a relief team that's been in Santiago, Chile, distributing food baskets and Bibles, Lord. We just pray that you would bless their efforts, that you would give them continued opportunity to, dis, to d- disciple and to invest in uh, the people that they've been ministering to and meeting physical needs, Lord. We just pray that you would... Give them more and more favor, more and more open doors, and that you, Holy Spirit, would call, call people to yourself through those efforts. Lord, we pray for the offering that's been given today already and online. Lord, we just pray that you would use that for your glory, that, that we, as we engage in that act of giving, Lord, we would consider that an act of worship and an act of faith, that it would be a joy and a privilege that we get to give our money to you and declare in a very real way that you are our provider. Lord, you're the one who's given us the ability to work, the opportunity to work. You've given us uh, intelligence and health and everything we need to work, Lord. And we just pray that we would joyfully give unto you to the furtherance of the kingdom of God and that we here at Gateway would use that with all wisdom and discernment, that we would be able to to see the gospel go further as a result of that, Lord. And finally, we pray for Ryan as he's going to share this morning. Lord, we just thank you for bringing he and his family here. We thank you for delivering them from danger. And Lord, we just thank you for keeping them and preserving them. And we pray that you would continue to give them a platform and desire and support and everything they need to take the gospel to the other parts of the world, Father. And we just pray that this morning we here at Gateway would benefit greatly from Ryan bringing your word, that we would be challenged, that we would be uh, taught, that we would be changed in our hearts, and that we would consider ourselves missionary here in this city, Father, and that we would lay our lives down. For the sake of the gospel. So we just pray that you would bless Ryan as he gets ready to come and deliver your word. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Well, Ryan, come on up here. We're excited to have a guest preacher with us this morning. You got Ryan and Joy Thomas down here, and they are longtime friends of Shen and Alicia. I think many of you know Shen is one of our deacons, and his wife Alicia and their family. They are all, they're from Arkansas, and that's where Ryan and Joy are from. and they are longtime friends of Shen and Alicia for years. Have mentioned to me their missionary friends who've been serving in East Asia, we've heard their name and heard about them for a while. And then about a I don't, times a blur now, a month or two ago. Ryan and his family were passing through and so Shannon Alicia said, well, hey, we want you to meet them. So they came over and ate dinner with us at our house one night and there's certain people we just connect with right off the bat, and that's true for our family with Ryan and Joy. Their heart for the Lord and their view of the church and just they very much are going the same direction gateway is going and what we believe and what are our priorities and um just really connected well with them and enjoyed the time getting to know them and so a friendship's developed there and as ryan shared his story with us i wanted him to get to hear you and as he's met some of our elders we all as an elder team want him to get to share his journey with you so for sake of introduction i'm going to just share with you what he gave to the youth group for his introduction because i thought it was very fitting and so i thought i'd just pass it all to you here's how he introduced himself to the youth group this morning Ryan and Joy Thomas, we have five kids with ages ranging from four to nine. We are from Arkansas. We've served overseas since 2010 in China. We've eaten dog, intestines, and the stomachs of various animals. Ryan dislikes pancakes because he feels like he needs to take a shower after eating a pancake. He dislikes barnacles because he wants them growing on you and meat sweats. But they do like drinking coffee, enjoying yellow, cold, yellow cake, peach cobbler, and cold brownies with ice cream. So, with that as an introduction, Ryan, welcome to Gateway.
4: Hey, we give, we give glory to God for all of his good gifts, including meat sweats, so let me pray for our entire time together. Father, thank you that you are our king and you are with us, and then right now um, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, and so we ask the Spirit that you would incline our hearts and our minds to your truth, and that, God, you would give... Um, Just give us all grace to hear your word, and God, help me to not speak error or to bring glory to myself, but we want to just enjoy Christ more as a result of this time, and so uh, help us now have mercy on our souls, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so we are, we have a huge family, but hey, you know what, the church has big families too, so that's good, so we're like a typhoon, we're just a smaller typhoon as opposed to bigger typhoons where their kids are older, so, uh, but yes. I was born and raised in Arkansas, so you all have A's, which sometimes looks like Arkansas. But our football team is horrible, so at least you guys have that going for you. But um, yeah, so thank you, thank you for um, giving to missions. So uh, how Gateway gets you, you give money, and the church gives to the International Mission Board. So that's who I work for. And when you tithe and you give your dollars to, to missions, it funds, it's not just, you're not just giving this black hole of why are we paying these people's bills and why do they keep asking for more money every year? I mean, what kind of debt do all these people in? But instead, it provides things such as um, our paychecks, uh, gas money, uh, plane tickets, um housing food the very fact that i have clothes on is a testimony that you guys gave faithfully so thank you and um and that's what your dollars goes towards so thank you for giving for years you didn't even know me you didn't even know tons of other missionaries but you've continued to give and give faithfully and sacrificially and generously and so we are grateful and i just want to come and say thanks because it really does impact the gospel and get the gospel out to really lost places, to places that are really far away and really hard to get to. And um, so as I come, and you guys here in missionary and missions, um, sometimes it's like, what do you do? I mean, are we Jason born, kind of tra- tramping through the countryside, like trying to covert ops, trying to stay out of the, under the radar, and... Um, it can be very different than what you think. We all, you know, despite having lived, born and grown up in Arkansas, uh, it, it is very different. I mean, because most people think Arkansas doesn't wear shoes or have running water. And we, in spite, lived in a city of 5 million people, and it was about the size, of, actually, of Montgomery. And um, and we were responsible for, you know, our family and another family responsible, you know, 20 million people. So, uh, not too bad, right? And it would be like... Two families here responsible for 20 million people, not the whole church. And there's no other churches, by the way. So, um, but I want to read you a quote because we want to get in a frame of what is missions. What do missionaries do? So this is where the plane's going. Um, What what do missionaries do? Because I want to kind of help you get an understanding of what I've done for the last 10 years. And where we're going and then how the plane landed in China. And then where the plane's going next. And what God calls you to do, okay? Um, and so, normally, you guys preach line by line, verse by verse. I really appreciate that. And so, Pastor Grady kind of helped asked me to address these things. So, I'm going to do the best. It probably won't be the exact framework, but here we are. And uh, so, let's all go to 1 Corinthians 9. If you could flip there. I'm going to read a quote that what missions is. So, if you've ever read the book, Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. He says this. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church, worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. So, missions is primarily about worshiping God. So, when you go, why do we go? There are people all over the world, in this city, in this county, probably across the street, all over the world... In different places, different segments of society, who are all offering false worship right now. And if we believe that God is truly holy, good, worthy of worship, then He is the only one who is worthy of worship. And so that means that they are giving false worship to false idols and they're blind, they're dead, they have no hope. Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 2, 1 to 4, Romans 1, they're gonna let you know. It, they are dead. They're worshiping. They don't even know what they're worshiping. Every person is a worshiper, and they're not worshiping God. And so we go as primarily to help them worship Christ. And so the lack of worship that is happening, that is why we go. Missionaries are those who go to help enable the worship of God. This is broad and very theoretical. So what do we specifically do to enable that? What does the money that you give to fund our paychecks, what does that go to? And so, kind of what a theme verse of how and what we do is goes to 1 Corinthians 9, and uh, it's verses 19 through 23. Um, Paul says, uh, by the behest of the Holy Spirit, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So, if we look at kind of verses nineteen to um, through twenty-two, really, Paul's talking about going, becoming as a Jew, he's a Jew in order to win Jews, becoming those under the law so that he can win those under the law or outside the law. And so, I've I've jotted some things down the, that what Paul would have done and what we do as missionaries that kind of represents this. First off, you go and you have to enter into a culture, right? So you enter into a culture. Uh, the brother, I, I, can't, I don't even know where he's at, but he just got back from Uganda. He had to go to Uganda and enter into a culture. It's very different. So you eat different foods. So yes, I've eaten dog. It's not as bad as you think. We take part in strange ceremonies. I have literally emceed a Chinese wedding before. That was awesome. And um, I have, I have built chicken fences. I have... I've harvested sugar cane. I've done tons and tons of weird things that I never thought I would or eat weird things, layers of pig fat. But you know what? It is what it is. You do, you try, and you do things that you're really uncomfortable with. Just so what? So that you can enter into the culture so that you can enter into their life. You're just trying to do the things they love. That's not sinful. But we're trying to do the things they do so that we can help. So it's like dating, you know, like you if you're married, you're dating, your wife likes doing one thing, you like doing another. You do the things she likes to do because you love her, right? And then we don't go because we love Chinese people, or we think China's really great. We go because we love Christ, because Christ loves them. Christ died, their sin is so heinous that he died for it, and they have no clue, and they're giving false worship. And so you not only enter the culture, but you have to learn a new language. How many of you speak more than one language? Yeah, it's awesome. But learning a language, it's like the most taxing thing ever. It's like going back to being a baby. You start sleeping 15 hours a day. You're saying the wrong thing. You're, instead of ordering a vanilla milkshake, you order a toilet. We've literally done that. And, um, you know, you just you learn to laugh at yourself. You do, you do strange things. You say funny things. But, hey, confidence is key. And, you know, you, you do all these blunders. Why? So you can communicate with people. So that you can tell them and you can understand what they're saying. I had, before me, before I went, I thought, I wanted to, what drove me to learn language was, if I'm ever with a brother in China, and he starts to tell me and confess sin, that he beats his wife, he is physically abusive, I better understand what he has to say and know how to respond biblically. So you spend time learning language, not for language sake, but that's so that you can understand what they're saying, so you can give them hope, so you can speak truth, God's word. But then you also not only enter the culture and learn a language, you have to help the gospel enter into a community. So what are you going to do? I mean, I, we're responsible for 20 million people. How is the gospel going to get into different communities, different segments of society? You know, it's like, you, you guys, how... Are you going to get the gospel to the poorest of the poor here in Montgomery? Or how is the gospel going to get to the richest of the rich or everyone here? Because they're all worthy, right, to hear at least the gospel message because they're made in God's image. And so you do things like servant evangelism or you host people into your home. That's what we do. I mean, Chinese people, they think it's so weird. They meet a foreigner and five minutes later I'm inviting them to eat pizza. And, you know, we just make pizza. I don't know. We ate so much pizza in China. And we just invite people over and they want to eat pizza. All right, so pizza and spaghetti. It's like, Italy loves us. So um, here we are. And, but you're doing all these things so you can help the gospel enter in community, form relationships. You're making people uh, enter into your world, to your most intimate environment so that you can talk to them and share your life with them and get to know their life. And then you share the gospel. So if you were just with me for the last hour... You got to, we walk through parts of the gospel. It's really important you know that because you're trying to give hope to people. And that, and only Jesus gives hope. And so we want to help g- share the gospel with them, give them hope, and lead them to the gospel. But then, is that where we stop? No. Like, so much of missions can be thought of, you just share the gospel, they get their car, they believe, they raise their hand, pray the prayer, whatever, and then you're done. No, that's when the job begins. Because you all think of where you are at your life right now and the, and the just inordinate amount of influence and gospel witness that you have have had in your life. Most of you, I am guessing, are not first-generation believers. And if you are or you all have some sort of gospel witness in your family, whether it's parents, grandparents, and aunt, and uncle, there's accessibility to churches, correct? Whereas where we work, Zero. Like they don't, like, family has no clue. They've never met a Christian. They have no idea. And so they say they want to become a Christian, and then, all right, that's great. Now the the real work begins because now you've got to teach them what does it mean to follow Christ. And so that they, they can endure to the end. And you know, you're not just giving them, hey, all right, good to go. Out the door. No, you're forming disciples. So you have to teach them how to obey God's Word, how to understand God's Word. What does the book of Leviticus have to do with the book of Romans? And, and you got to teach all these things to them. And so it's really important that we as missionaries know what? Know theology. We know the Bible. We know God. Because we're having to impart all of this information and form and shape a whole new entire generation of, believe, of new believers. Because the theology, the Bible that you give them, that's going to be what's going to go to the next generation. So it's really important that we all have proper understanding of God and His Word, His character. That we're not trusting in ourselves, but we're trusting in Christ. That we're constantly putting off sin and putting on God's righteousness. And so, I, I, I did a lot of this, so early on in our time in China, I spent a lot of time doing the first few things, entering into culture, um, going to weddings, staying in villages, it was, not, it was sometimes awesome, sometimes not as awesome, and uh, learning a language, and saying funny things, talking to little old ladies in China about apples, because that was all the language I had at that moment, but we talked about apples, and... Uh, doing different things to just get the gospel out to people, hosting Easter parties, Christmas parties. I mean, we would just bring 25, 30 people into this little tiny apartment, we'd feed them, get them some food, and we'd just share the gospel and be like, hey, you know why Easter's important? You've never heard of it, but I'm about to tell you why. And giving, sharing the gospel. Then people start to come to Christ. And so then we began we begin to spend a lot of time teaching the Bible. So I would do things, I taught a seminary. So we, a lot of missionaries, ourselves, I taught a seminary course, and so it was basic discipleship, just how to understand Old Testament and New Testament, how to, hermeneutics, how do you understand the Bible? Because they don't even know that there's different literary genres in this. So how do you understand different literary genres? I mean, you don't read Revelation like you read Romans, right? Otherwise, we got some problems. You know, it's like, a dragon's coming? Oh my word. So... Um, And you're not only dispensing information and teaching them so that their minds and their hearts are shaped by God's word, but you're also doing do biblical counseling. So I'm a biblical counselor, and helping them see uh, practical theology. How does this word shape? So you talked about anxiety last week, right? How does God's word give you hope in the midst of your anxiety? How does God help you if you are depressed? You know, and I'm dealing with the whole entire first generation of believers, and so you're talking very raw sin. Years and years of family problems. Drunkenness, abuse, uh, infidelity, all of these things. And for them, even the believers, when they come to Christ, they're, they just think this is what you do, this is just who you are, until you give them other instruction from God's Word. So you think about, like, um, COVID's happening. Um, I had COVID. I'm over it now. Otherwise, this is going to get weird. But I had COVID. You have a headache. What do we typically do? First thing. Tylenol or Advil, which is whatever. Pepsi or Coke. I hate Pepsi. And um, so you take two Tylenol, and that's it. Well, did we pray and ask God to heal? Did you pray and ask God to heal your headache i mean it doesn't mean that god doesn't use medicine but so you're trying to help them reorient and see because you know if there's a really major problem in their family guess what they're going to go do they're going to go see their local either fortune teller or witch doctor and so you start hearing about well why did this christian go see a, a fortune teller well why wouldn't they we they don't know anything else so you, you have to study their worldview and know, spend time with people and helping them see, like, okay, well, going to see a witch doctor is probably not the best thing, nor is it godly. And um, that person's not a Christian, so let's see what God's Word has to say about this. And how can we give you biblical wisdom so that it would apply to your life? And as the church grows and matures, you're also teaching them about cross-cultural missions, CCM, because... Uh, believe it or not, as I'm up here talking to you about missions, there are churches that are probably like the size of like this section who are saying, how can we send a missionary to another country and support him? And they do it, which is amazing. Like they will literally sacrificially give to support an entire family to move to, I don't know, Dubai. Isn't, is that amazing? And here you are in the middle of a, a very impoverished communist country and they're saying how can we do this well because it's god's word and so i spent time teaching cross-cultural missions how to be a missionary worldview culture shock all of these things so i'm like the swiss army knife i think pastor G's one of his sons had a swiss army knife there for a moment i saw that's me like doing a whole bunch of different things but i don't do them really well you know it's like it's all swiss army knives But then you're also gathering disciples into churches. Because our goal is not just to make converts. Our goal is to plant churches. And we want to see churches planting churches because that's who Jesus is coming back for. His church, His bride. So you've got to know what is essential for a healthy church. And if a church exists, how do you come alongside them and serve them and help shape them so that they can glorify Christ more? And then you spend time equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. You are responsible, we are responsible to give them the framework of their theology. Therefore, it's imperative that you know your own Bible well so that you can handle these problems and just ensure the gospel is central to all things. So, this is what missionaries do, but guess what? Probably, apart from learning a new language, which you still could because there's a large Korean population here, like, you're still responsible for all of these things, right? You could do all of this right here. Entering into very lost, very broken neighborhoods, sharing the gospel, forming disciples, planting a church, raising up pastors. I don't know. It'll look very different here. But as you as a church work together and come together and God gives you this vision and burden and the Spirit gives you power to do it, you do it. Out of obedience to His commandments. But why? Why do we do all this? And this is the last part of the verse. He says, for the sake of the gospel. So that we can share with it in their blessings. Share with them in its blessings. So it is imperative that you know the gospel, that you're rehearsing it to yourself every day. In all of my counseling sessions, every single counselee, none of them know the gospel. That is a very common thread I see in all of my life. And and so that's one of their early homework assignments write out the gospel and I help them formulate because we need to be constantly reminded that we are not the center of the world right Jesus is and Jesus saves us and so what does the gospel have to do with my motivation to live in hard places and do hard things and it all goes back to what Christ has done for us living in China was not easy it's not a cakewalk it's very hard And especially, we lived there during COVID. People would walk up to me and be like, I hope America burns. I hope your family dies because of this. Like, who wants to hear that? At that moment, you have a decision to make. Do you stay and communicate the gospel? Because Christ died for that person. For them to hear. So you can share with them in the blessings. So you need to know the blessings of the gospel First, uh, Ephesians one three through fourteen. You've been saved. You've been redeemed. You've been adopted. You're, you're given an inheritance, and it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. It's all for. It's so great, and that's our identity. That's who we are. And so we did these things for ten years. It's a lot of work, right? It's exhausted. Learn a lot of language. Drink a ton of tea. You know, rode buses till I was nauseous, and did it all for the sake of the gospel. And then after 10 years, 25 feds raided our house. It was July, June 13th, or no, 23rd last year, June 22nd. And they arrested me, detained me, and I was interrogated over the course of three weeks. I was interrogated uh, eight days, 60 hours, arbitrary detention. And uh, I, I, I'll leave a little snippet. If you want to come back for q and A, I'll explain more of that. Um, but, you know, like you get, you get arrested and that happens. Like, we're doing a lot of good things. You know, God, we're doing it for your glory. We're doing all this stuff to bring you honor and praise. And then this happens. Like, we were at the most fruitful point of our lives in ministry. Like, things were the best they've ever been in ten years actually. It was last summer. Like, people come to faith, like, churches are like, hey, we want to go serve the gospel, take the gospel to unreached places. I'm like, oh my word, like, God is blessing this. And then he takes us away. And you know what? I'm really thankful for it. I'm really thankful to have been arrested. I'm really thankful that, because you know what? When we are weak, who's strong? He is, not me. And Jesus tells us he's gentle and lowly. He loves for us to bring our weakness to him. He gets joy out of it. And so he put us in intentional, God is bringing, intentionally bringing weaknesses into our lives so that we will be more conformed into his image, right? So that we know Christ better. So we glorify him, Romans 8, 28, 29. So I am so thankful. So I'm going to give you some things we're thankful for. Why we were thankful to get arrested. Number one, Acts five forty one. They left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Thankful that we were counted worthy to suffer. Like, we were counted, like, I'm I'm just really grateful. I'm so thankful I was counted worthy to do that and I didn't, like, go out swinging or punching someone in the throat or hitting someone's car with my bike because I was mad. Like, letting road rage take over. I'm thankful that I was arrested for the gospel and got kicked out for the gospel. And if you look at all of Paul's missionary journeys, he was always bold but wise. And when he got kicked out for preaching the gospel, I was like, man, this is great. God confirmed my used the Chinese police to confirm that he was kicking us out. And I'm so thankful for it. Because we were counted worthy to suffer. And then number two, God was with us. He didn't leave us, and He didn't forsake us. So I got arrested, hauled off, and that night, I was interrogated for about 12 straight hours. That night, about 2 in the morning, take me to this little room in the black side I was at. Lay down, couldn't pray. I couldn't sleep, so I just laid and prayed in bed. Because you're, I mean, talking fight or flight, I was in that mode for three straight weeks. And... God brought, at that moment, brought this text, Exodus 2, 23 through 25, to my mind. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God knew. This did not surprise him. He used that at that moment to remind me and comfort me that God knows exactly my plight. This is plan A from the beginning. I just didn't see it. And that he was with me, and he hears my groanings. And he remembers his covenant, because I'm in Christ. And he knew. And what a God we serve, right? That God is one. He's not this fat idol sit that's gold that sits somewhere has a cat that paul that bounces up and down as you see though you go to a lot of Chinese restaurants. You know, praise God we don't serve a wooden statue but that we serve a God who is living. He is risen he's ruling right now. You know and he's got he speaks and fire comes out. And that God He hears us he remembers His covenant. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Man, how, how good He is. How worthy of worship He is. He left us His Word to sustain us. All my colleagues had their Bibles taken. They left mine. And man, God, that was what a gift. They could have taken my Bible away. They didn't. I was able just to read His Word, read the Psalms read almost the entire New Testament, most of the Old Testament, because they took all my phones and everything. So we just have God and His Word. And what a great time that was. wouldn't change it for the world. I would not change, I would, if I could go back, never change it. Because God was so near, He was so close, so faithful. And you know, I find myself now on this side of things going, what changed? God hasn't. Why do I feel at times now like He's further away? And it's because I don't feel like I need him. The spirit of the age is self. the spirit of the self. I read a great book called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. It's a really thick book that probably most people won't read, but it's, it's really complicated. But the point being is that our entire age here is all about the self. Solus bootstrap us by bootstraps alone. But God is with us. He left us his word to sustain us, and he used his church to love and to care for us as we were there. I mean, after I was taken in, the pastor showed up at our house that night. After the police threatened to shoot my wife, she still she's like I can't tell you where he's at, but Ryan's not here. And the pastor got down on his knees and prayed for me right then that my faith wouldn't fail. God heard it. My faith didn't fail. Like that was all him, not me. I am weak, he is strong. But he used his church, and then every day that church sent people to our house to bring us food, money, whatever we needed. Care, pray, sing with us. All to take care of my wife and my kids. God is good. He is the once. So I'm so thankful for these things. And these are lessons we learned that your view of God and his character really will determine how we view our suffering. If God is kind of like... He's like this cosmic Santa Claus or this cosmic grandpa that you just really don't want to make him angry or he's kind of cantankerous, you know, moody or he's not really in charge. You, when we suffer or things go bad, it's who are we going to blame? God. But if God is good and he's sovereign, those are not contradictions. Being sovereign and good and holy And He is, at that moment, I had a choice to say, if He is good and He is sovereign and He's holy, then He permitted me to go through this for my good and for His glory. Because this is what's going to take for me to be more conformed into the image of Christ. And whatever suffering you engage this year will be what it takes to get you to be more conformed into the image of Christ. They're gifts. They're hard gifts. Not making light of that, but they're gifts by a good God. And God uses our suffering to mold and to shape our faith and character, as First Peter 4:12 says, "Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal to test you, the fiery trial to test you as it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed." Or James 1. 2 and 3, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So do not seek to avoid suffering or hardships in this life, but know they're hard and God is with you. He's going to hear your groanings. That's why we have Psalms of Lament, to, to go to him. And I love this quote, keep trusting in the one who keeps you trusting. God's going to keep you trusting, so keep trusting in the one who keeps you trusting. So as Second Corinthians 4:16 through18 says, "We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, it is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So, all of this missions is not about doing a lot of stuff, it's about looking to the unseen, it's about helping other people look to the unseen, it's about going and sharing and entering into messiness and hardness because this outer self is wasting away. Right? The older I get, my, I mean, I woke up this morning, my back's aching. You know, you get meat sweats, whatever. Our outer self is wasting away. But guess what? The inner is being renewed every day as we go to God in His Word. And that this affliction that you and I face, that I faced, it is light. Jesus' was heavy. Ours is light. But it is preparing for us this eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. And it does that as we look to the things to God, His Word, His character, because that's what's eternal. This life, it'll end. This will all be washed away. But God will not. He always exists, always will be, always has been, and He is with us. So, what do you need to do? What, as the church, as we kind of hearing what I've done, and uh, this afternoon I'll di- dive more into kind of what those three weeks look like. You can ask questions, um, but I kind of want to go from that to what do you need to do? What is what is the church? What do you guys? What does it look like for you guys? And so let's go to Second Corinthians five. Um, And as as our call as believers, we this is what we are called to do. Second Corinthians five. I'm gonna read eleven to twenty one. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves So, um, two main segments for this, for us, of what we need is, uh, for 11 through 15, we need a gospel identity. And for 16 through 21, you need a gospel-driven mission. Because as we look, at, we look at what Paul said, you know, he's writing and he's defending his, 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 his apostleship and he's telling them, about why they're apostles and, you know, you guys know. And he says, therefore, and so if he, has, if he says, therefore, we need to ask what came beforehand. Why did he, why is that there? And I like start at verse 9. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So Paul is saying, we all, our goal, your goal, my goal in life is to please Christ. That's why you and I exist. Because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, he's going to judge. And you'll receive what is done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing that the fear of the Lord. So these things should bring a fear to us. That it's a holy reverence, deep respect to God, to Christ, and he says because we, we should fear the Lord. So who you think about yourself and why you exist will determine what you do with your time. Because if you don't really fear the Lord, just kind of like I'm floating in Christianity, dabbling in this. I don't really I know Christ, or I've kind of grown up in church, but uh, this you sound kind of radical. What you believe about God, it really will determine what you do and how you order your life. Because Paul is saying he existed to please God. They're going to stand before the judgment seat, so there's a fear. We fear the Lord. So I exist to persuade others. I exist, he's persuading. So you need a proper fear of the Lord. This afternoon, when you get done, go sit at lunch. Just put in on the ESV app or your Bible app, fear the Lord, and just see what pops up. It's amazing. What does it mean to fear the Lord? So having a proper fear of the Lord drives us. The judgment drives us to persuade others. Now, we go, God's the one who saves. Our our job, we still have a responsibility to go and communicate the gospel, to love people, to enter into their world, to identify with their suffering, and to communicate hope. And Paul is saying, I'm doing this out of fear of God because I want to please Christ to persuade others. And and that is also, you need to also know God, then also have, it's gospel-driven work. You're doing this not so that they love you, praise you, glorify you, but it's so that they praise God, they know God. And then when we have a proper understanding of ourselves, we're understanding that we exist to bring others into the worship of God. Because that's what Paul is saying, that they did this. They're besides ourselves. It's for God. In our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. He believed as we do we, that everyone's dead in the world. They have no hope. They're blind. And so we want to give our lives to help them worship God. What, remember the quote I read at the beginning? We exist to... That's what missions is all about. Bringing people into the white-hot worship of God. So you need to know the gospel, You need, and so there's gospel conclusions about your life, is that 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You are not your own. You are bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Young people, I just told you, give, your, give away your life. Give away your life to, for the gospel's sake, so that people in really unreached, remote places can worship this king that we are enjoying right now. And what a privilege that is, right? That God would use us. So we need a gospel-driven mission. And as Paul goes through from 16 to 21, we need new ways of evaluating people. Not seeing lost people as just, like, they just need help. And maybe Jesus could help them. But they're dead. They're broken. They have no hope. Only Christ can save them. They are created in the image of God, they have dignity, value, and worth. And so we go to communicate and love them. We're going to have new eyes to see their state of being. They're, they're, they're helpless. They're sheep without a shepherd. They have no idea they're lost also. How does a fish know it's in water? It doesn't. It just lives there, right? And that's how lost people. And you think about your own conversion story. Before you knew Christ and before He opened your eyes, you had no idea. You just thought, this is just life, right? That's everyone in the world. And we go, and, we, and so we are now ambassadors of the gospel. That God is working through you as you go and you love and serve and pour yourself out for people. He is working through you as an ambassador. And we're not going to be perfect ambassadors, and we don't have to wait to be imperfect ambassadors Because no matter where you are in the world, God calls us to love, to serve, and to care for people. And because He's using you to bring order and healing to broken, sick people in this world. And what what a privilege that we get to be ambassadors. You all, in a sense, are somewhat of a missionary. We're all ambassadors. We're all sent out ones to go and to take the gospel. And and the foundational to this is, I love this, is verse 21. Substitutionary atonement. Is that God for our sake, God made Christ, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We go to communicate this message that they are dead, they have no hope, but but God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, and he perfectly obeyed and fulfilled the law with a happy heart attitude. So that God's wrath and justice would be satisfied. And so now Jesus takes our sin and the wrath and he bears the wrath of God. And so that the righteousness that we need, that Christ's righteousness, is now applied to us. And we are made clean. This is this should just blow your mind. Every day. And so really in terms of missions you only have three choices. Or in terms of being some a an ambassador for the gospel you only have three choices. You are to give towards missions. You are to go and do missions or you're sinning. That's it. But I find that our hearts are so hard that we love to deceive ourselves. To not be these things or not do them. We rationalize. They don't really, yeah, there'd be other people. We allow busyness of our lives to interfere. We love comfort, selfishness. This is, I, I don't have to do it. This is just, I want to be comfortable. This is, just, I'm going to let somebody else, It's not my calling. It's not what God's called me to do. God has called us all to some form of mission. And if you're not to go, there are people he's going to call, even from this church that are going to go to faraway lands who are going to do this, there are going to be people he may call to go to other states, to go to really lost places. But then there's going to be most of you are going to stay here and hold the anchor. And you're going to be doing this very thing here in Montgomery. And man, it's great. You guys are our heroes. You guys get to have a great gospel-centered church and you get to go out because Fundamental to all of our disobedience to all this is just our love for self, right? I love myself. There are so many days I'm like, I don't want to do this job anymore. This is really hard. But guess what? Christ overcomes our hardness the hardness of our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives the grace. He convicts us of our sin. And he gives us the grace to obey. God, the power that resurrected Christ from the grave, is the one that will, be, that will enable you and sustain you to go to these hard places. And, and welcome people who are very different from you. If, if Afghan refugees show up in a couple of months, welcome them. Let's be the ones that just... Pull out the red carpet for them. Love them. Serve them. They're very different. They don't know the gospel. And they're in a great place of brokenness to receive the healing of Christ. And we can welcome them, even if we deem that they're deserving or not deserving. But we can love and serve them and welcome them to our our homes and our lives. So here's my homework for you, because I'm a counselor. Write out the gospel. Remind yourself of the gospel. Study Ephesians 1, 3-14. Take this week, read it, three times a day. Find a way and ask the Spirit this week to bring somebody who's very different from you to your, into your life. And invite them into your home for a meal. And if you don't know Jesus, this probably sounds really weird, but God loves you, and He died to save you. And I implore you to give your life to Christ. Because you're going to fail. We have no hope apart from Christ, right? So this is what missions is about. Sorry, I've jumped into a lot of text, but missions is about helping others see and enjoy and know God. And so we do different things, like you're doing your men's study, your ladies study, it's all just so that you enjoy God more, so that you take the knowledge that you gain and the enjoyment that you gain from that and go help others enjoy and love God better. That's our ambassador. We're ambassadors, and God is working the ministry of reconciliation through you. So praise God, right? What a gift. Thank you for letting me be up here and yell at you for 45 minutes. I appreciate it. And come back this afternoon. I'd love to share more about how God's faithfulness in our three weeks of interrogation. Let me pray for us. God, you know, we just confess, God, we're we're really broken, um, sinful people. But God, you have shown mercy. This fact that we're all here worshiping you uh, this morning is just your mercy, and you have been abundantly gracious towards us every day this week. You, we've given you've given us air and food and water and clothes to wear and. God, these are just mercies every day, mercies. So thank you. And thank you for letting us hear the gospel. And for, for those of us who are believers in this room, that you opened our eyes. God, what a gift that is. So, God, I ask the Holy Spirit right now that you would work in those who don't know you, that you would bring them to repentance and that they would trust in Christ and not themselves. But God, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, you would be at work in drawing others to to go and to give their lives in this church, to serve the church here. And so that your name is made to look really good and even in places like Tunisia and Afghanistan and that the gospel will go forth to affect these places, God. Thank you. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name.
2: Amen.
0: God, what precious truth we as your people have just proclaimed, that, Lord Jesus, at your name, darkness trembles, demons flee, fear is silenced, But I pray we would not forget that, or forgive us for how quickly we quit looking to you and look to ourselves and look to our comforts and our own desires, I pray this week, in light of what we've heard, that you would silence the fear in our heart, the fear of giving up our comforts, the fear of giving up the things we dream for. We're gonna realize what we're called here to be and those worshipers of you who point others to worship you. Lord, forgive us for losing sight of those things and I pray that you would reignite in each one of our hearts a greater sense of awe at you. That we would tremble before you knowing how holy and sovereign and powerful and just and good you are. And Lord, out of that overflow of that that we would find a joy that this world cannot offer. So Lord, fix our eyes on you this week. For your glory and for our joy we ask it in jesus name amen hope to see you all back at four o'clock here in the sanctuary this afternoon god bless you and have a good afternoon